Hi everyone, I'm Les. And I'm Ashley. And you're listening to Anthropotamus, where we explore some of your favorite anthropology topics. Hey everyone, welcome to our latest episode or our latest book discussion. Today we are doing another show on pirates. Today we're discussing Pirate Enlightenment or The Real Libertalia by David Graeber. Uh, so David Graeber was an American anthropologist and anarchist activist who passed away in 2020. Um, some pretty interesting books he has out there that I think I'm definitely going to have to take a look at. But yeah, how, how do we how do we get this started? Well, I mean, when it comes to pirates, I, I think the only thing that you can do is kind of raid the chest, right? So let's get right to it. At its core, this book is largely about a fictitious nation founded by pirates and a so-called pirate king. All in all, I thought it was interesting. I enjoyed a lot of it, but the reader was pretty dry at points. So it, it was sometimes difficult to get into. I again, I I say this with like every other book, but I turned up the speed up quite a bit. Like I think it was at one point five or something like that. I did the same when I started the book. I was like, "Yay, a pirate book with the guy in a fancy accent! This should be great." And then it was fifteen minutes in. I had a very difficult time keeping up with the book. I felt like. His accent was very distracting, and um, and I couldn't figure out why it was bothering me. And then I realized he elongated his his vowels after like every other word. And even when I sped it up even further, it was still pretty easy to follow along because he was making the words so long to begin with. I had a really hard time listening to the book because of the narrator, which made it very difficult for me to follow the book. And half the time I got confused about what I was listening to because it was just so distracting for me. But when I was listening, (laughs) the topics themselves were pretty interesting. I don't have an issue, I don't think, with the writer or the topic. It was just the narrator. And it's just one of those books where I really wish I just bought in the book and read it myself. Personally, I think everybody who's listened to the podcast knows that I am a much bigger fan of Audible and audiobooks, especially if the reader is good, but I will admit that a certain readers just don't deliver the same kind of impact that you're going to get reading it off of the page. And I think that uh, if reading in paper makes the experience better for you, yeah, absolutely do that. But on the merits of the book itself... There were some parts that were pretty confusing. I felt the first couple chapters, I felt like, were the most confusing. Mm-hmm. And because, I mean, the first couple chapters are supposed to set a foundation for the rest of the book. And I think that also made it kind of hard for me to follow because I was already having a hard time following the narrator. And then the first chapters seemed a bit confusing to me and it wasn't really until like chapter three where I felt like the good stuff kept coming out mm-hmm. yeah that that first few chapters didn't really set a tone and once they got into the meat of it I felt a little bit lost I was like okay so is this just the next part before we move into the the rest of it or it was it was a little bit um 
you know, wobbly. But once I realized that, okay, so this is what we're actually going to discuss, that's when I started getting a little more interested. They were talking about how um, a kingdom was supposedly formed in Madagascar. And at one point they, they were trying to con, uh, who was it, the, the king of France into believing or uh, signing a treaty stating that they would support this new uh, pirate kingdom. I do not remember that. Yeah, that must that have been one thing. of the sections I zoned out of. <laughs> yeah, it was a thing. They they nearly conned the King of France and then other European powers. Was this the same guy who was going around lying about being the king and like he had he was like playing chess or something with like Franklin or something? Mm-hmm. Was it Benjamin Franklin? I think so. But and I, I was f- like, I was thinking, how crazy is it? That people can just travel the world and lie about being royalty and get away with it. But mm. I guess when you don't have Google and you're having to base it on people's word and you convince enough people, mm. then you're going to get away with it. Well, when you when you start examining it, it the, the question is what makes a royal person different from your average everyday person? And, well, I mean, the truth is, and maybe the the still existing royals today would disagree with me but there's no difference they're just people who had hereditary wealth Uh, and if you're good enough at acting you can make other people believe i think that's where this uh this book shined is it really showed how these people from from society that didn't have the same rules as as these feudal societies could just get away with whatever they wanted because at some point, somebody somebody did the very same thing, started calling themselves kings, and other people were like, okay, you're the king. How else do you start a kingdom? I mean, it's really, at the end of the day, government is just a make-believe thing that we all just continue to believe in and support so that it continues to exist. A form of mass hysteria. That's the way I like to think of it. Okay, so let's let's dive into a little bit about how they described pirate society and how that chain or how that um, contrasts with the the Witta, the other book, the, the other pirate book that we. Yeah, um, I, th- I I kind of felt like so. Uh, I feel like because he was he was he was so focused on this pirate utopia. And um, all the different aspects of it, it felt much more complex than the Witta book. Mm-hmm. I, I did like the simplicity of the Witta book, um, but this Pirate Enlightenment just really went more into detail on. Um, that's what I was going to talk about. I thought it was he. He brought up yes, they're looting and getting all this treasure. But what are they doing with it? They can't pawn it. Mm-hmm. They can't sell it. Like, that was a really interesting point he brought up. Well, one of many things. I mean, he discussed the women and the relationships they had with these women and the, the, the family connections. But one of the first things was when he brought up the, the uh, what do you do with this all this loot once you have it? I mean, if, if you can't buy yourself a bowl of rice... You know, with this loot you just got that's worth millions of dollars. Well, not mil- million, worth millions now. Back then it was worth thousands. Probably worth much more than that now. 
it's, I mean, yeah, back then it was worth thousands. Yeah. Now it's worth you know millions and millions. Yeah. But pointless having gold when you can't get trade it for money and buy yourself the necessities you need. Um, so I mean that's something I think we think about pirates like yeah they get all this booty and well it's kind of a waste if you can't sell it. Yeah, um, and if you were to just have it and just keep it somewhere that would that wouldn't really help would it i mean the whole didn't they talk a little bit about the the myth of buried treasure right um and how you know you you have this image of pirates who would um you you capture a ship and you take it and because you can't sell it right now because people are still looking for it you just stole it and whatnot and you you hide it but that doesn't help you at all and and the promise of payment 20 years down the line isn't going to keep your crew on board so how do you figure that out you you need somewhere that is able to redistribute their goods and i think that's where we branched into the the marital structure out in uh, i believe it was madagascar Mm -hmm. what was the specific place called do you remember i don't remember well, um, when they married these women in Madagascar, it was in large part a way for them to trade through a third party. But what a lot of the pirates didn't realize at first, at first was that um, the relationship was, was fairly one-sided. Yes, they... Uh, get to live in a house that's already taken care of and they have a pretty good standard of living as well but um the women just they do whatever they want they see other men they do you know their trade deals and all this other stuff like that but the second that the man steps out of line or sees another woman he suddenly gets sick and dies and i say that with air quotes um there was a specific curse that they that they listed that the man would just get sick and die of and well it was just accepted that you you make a woman angry and she's gonna curse you i thought it was very interesting it felt like and you know i could be processing this information correctly since i had a hard time following the book but it was like you know it was like women were seen like Women were kind of low status, like premarital sex was a no-no, and they discussed that a bit. But then, at the same time, I feel like they had so much power. Like they did. The men, yes, could have multiple wives, but at the same time, the women, when the husband wasn't around, it was okay for them to go would be with another man, mm-hmm. or you know, they were, you know, they had to get involved when it came to, you know, trading all these treasures or the poisoning of their husbands. It's like mm-hmm. they had a, a lot of power. Oh yeah, oh yeah. There, there was. Um, I think it was largely the the civilization on in that area was largely run by women. Through the, like the the governmental body was mostly women, right? I think it mentioned it's post. If I remember correctly, like I said, I didn't process this book well. It was, and this is kind of where I left off. I think is it was supposed to be a patriarchal society. But with all the divorces, women ended up being kind of like the yeah. head of families, anyways. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Did I get something like that? that? That sounds right. 
I, I think it was just interesting. It's talking about the different religions mm-hmm. and the power the women had. And just, you have all this treasure, but you can't actually get money from it. Um, it really discussed, I think, the complexities of pirate society that we just don't really think of. And he does mention how we kind of divide this fantasy of piracy into either murderers and thieves or swashbuckling heroes, Mm -hmm. you know, and we don't really think of the complexity of their society too Mm -hmm. much. And I I think in the last book too, he discusses, yeah, he discusses, yeah, they murdered people and stole, but within their own community, they had these rules to abide by. Mm -hmm. So it almost fantasizes this idea of piracy without going into the complexity of it. Whereas yeah. this book, I think, does. This book definitely was more uh, went more into the complexities of pirate society. But I also think that the author somewhat idealized and romanticized the uh, the mm-hmm. um, liberal nature of the pirate society. I think. I it w- think it would be considered liberal for that time period. Well, I think but, it's liberal for any time period, considering mm-hmm. what they what they were doing. But maybe not our definition of liberal mm-hmm. um, more what I, more what I'm saying is that he paints pirate society as being more liberal and goes into the technical aspects of it but again it feels more romanticized as in he's taking out all of the you know possible imperfections of that society a lot of times what he's saying is that you could never have a, uh, somebody in, on the ship that was acted XYZ or mm-hmm. no captain would be kept in captain and ship if he did this, that, or whatever else, when it's pretty clear from from accounts that we have and even other books that we've read that sometimes the captains just kill people, mm-hmm. right, and, and other things like that. And it's like, okay, so which is it? Is it idealized perfection or is it sometimes a little bit graphic, right? And you can't have it both ways, mm-hmm. right? Um, it, there, there's got to be a middle ground, and I, I think, think that's the difference between the two books there. But, I mean, I think he does. I mean, when he mentions the two two ways we think of pirates, I mean, he does bring that up in the beginning. And then maybe he kind of just goes off course about yeah. <laughs> idealizing it, it, just, it. It felt to me, this book overall felt to me like the author just really liked pirates a lot and he wanted to tell everybody what he knew about them. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. No, there's not. <laughs> Um, so a comment he did make in the beginning of the book, which I thought was interesting. We always think of, and this is something big in anthropology right now, uh, Western colonial um, education, how we the, how we process information is very um, Western rooted. But he comments, is it really Western when you know you have England, France being influ having outside influences from the Americas and from the Arab world Mm -hmm. and taking those things and incorporating it into their own uh, like ideologies or education. So is it really Western? I forgot about that part. Um, Yeah, no, that's a, it's a fair question. What is Western? I mean, and, and what's, uh, what's Eastern when we have so much trade and inner, you know, intercommunication we share so much of our of our lives with each other obviously once you're home and you're not in contact with foreigners and whatnot you have a certain way that you live 
But, I mean, how many people can say that they've never met somebody new and picked up a little bit from them mm-hmm. after having a, a good long conversation? Yeah. Right? I mean, personally, whenever I'm speaking to somebody with a strong accent, I find myself drifting into that accent by, you know, just by a natural course of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Not like I'm intentionally doing it. It's just kind of a, if I don't watch myself, I, I will. I do the same thing. I, I notice I've done that in the past too, and and it almost I almost feel like I'm being a dick, like I'm exactly. making fun of them, but I'm not making fun of I'm them. Not. Their accent just kind of starts going into your head, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was a that was I mean not related to pirates, but I mean I think why did he even bring that up? I don't remember why he even brought that up in the book, but I just thought it was an interesting way of looking at Western society and influence. Because we always think of, oh, Western society influencing us, and we're built on Western ideals, but where do those come from? Everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it comes down to it, wherever you're from, you're going to have your own, you're going to have your own ideas and ways of life and other things like that. But these times with globalization and, and all of this different um, interconnection as well as um, social media, all of that stuff coming together, it's hard to say that there isn't a world culture. Mm-hmm. Right? You have individual cultures, but there's also the world culture. Culture on a, on, on a global stage is it's different. There's more and less discourse, I think. It's kind of hard to explain. All right, I don't have anything else to say about yep, this. I've got nothing else. Uh, overall, I enjoyed the book. I thought it was a very fun, technical, more technical anyway, uh, dive into pirate society and pirate um, I, I don't know, existence. Not sure how to really say that. Um, I enjoyed it. Probably will never read it again. Might read something else by the uh, by the author, though. The author does look like he has a lot of interesting books. Uh, we did, when we looked him up, unfortunately, he did pass away in 2020. Um, but um, I would be interested in looking up any, his other books. They're pretty interesting topics. But yeah, that's all I got. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Anthropotamus or at Anthropotamus.com. Thank you all for listening. Distribution of Anthropotamus is in collaboration with the American Anthropological Association. Please continue to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Anthropotamus for our latest episodes, show notes, and book discussion schedule.